Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Two Cyber Chicks podcast. You're about to join Erica and Jax for an inclusive cybersecurity conversation designed to educate and break the stereotypes of cybersecurity professionals while providing life hacks on how to handle burnout, networking, and goal setting. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Hey fam, today's guest, Nick Barker, has one of the most diverse backgrounds from a science camp teacher in the White Mountains of New Hampshire and over a decade as an aquatics manager for the University of Idaho, then to a variety of jobs in healthcare, and finally, here we are in the IT space. So Nick, first off, thank you so much for coming on today's show. We're super excited you're here. How about we kick off this episode with hearing your version of your background? Absolutely. First off, thank you both so much for having me. Longtime listener, first time being interviewed on the show. Really, really happy to be here. Okay, so as far as my background goes, I believe was the question before I interrupted you. All right, perfect. So let's see, I had a lot of fun in college. I had a lot of fun in high school too, but when I went to college in the beautiful University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho, I majored in psychology which a lot of people were doing in 2001. My classes were easy and long and met two days a week. It was great. It was perfect for me. I had a lot of time to go dirt biking, go drive four-wheelers. We had a lot of time at the pool, obviously being an aquatics manager there. But yes, I was less focused on career and maybe more focused on, you know, everything will fall into place later. I'll just have fun right now. And that leads you to become a science teacher in New Hampshire after you graduate with your bachelor's. That's what everybody does, right? I had a really, really awesome opportunity to become a camp counselor, kind of a ritzy summer camp on the East Coast, something I had never experienced being on the West Coast, especially in Idaho. We don't have a lot of ritzy summer camps. It's just called hunting. Anyway, so I was a camp counselor there, met lots of wonderful people, lots of incredible kids that went off and did fantastic things. Uh, But what I really learned there is I learned how to get along with people that maybe I didn't, you know, really hang out with in school or in college that much. I was, you know, I was with a bunch of people that loved living in the woods and didn't really go to the city very much. And they loved it that way. It smelled of patchouli everywhere, which if you know what patchouli is, it's a wonderful smell. (laughs) So I made lots of friends with lots of people from other backgrounds and I really got into teaching. It was a science camp and we had, I mean, we could do whatever we wanted. I taught a class called balls where all we did was talk about the physics of balls. Yes. I had the kids all chanting balls, balls, balls. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that was great. The teachers loved it because it's all in good scientific fun. And we did everything. We talked about physics. We had a campfire building class where we got to roast marshmallows. That was another really valuable thing I learned in this kind of silly teaching model was that I really liked like empowering people. Like I watched, I loved watching people like overcome things that were bugging them. And like that could be anything from, you know, like I said, getting dirty or jumping into the pond or whatever to maybe reaching out and talking to some other kids in the group that normally you wouldn't. 
I found I saw a lot of friendships start like those weeks when we would have those kids, and it made me it pulled at my heartstrings a little bit, made me feel good, made me happy to see uh, to see people overcome that stuff and change if they wanted to. And so after that, it was a seasonal job, uh, thank goodness, or I would have stayed forever. And then I got into dental. We had a friend that needed a a dental assistant, a hygiene assistant, which is the very, very bottom of the dental assistant ladder. You are basically doing nothing but taking x-rays and you're recording the little two, three, two, the pockets around the teeth that the hygienists take. Also the little two, one, twos on the computer. There were no computers. It was all paper charts. So I had a pencil with blue on one end, red on the other. And depending on the number, I had to write it down. I gained a very valuable skill in dental assisting, which I was able to take with me and kind of build on that. And then I met my wife and moved to Portland, Oregon. So I was assisting in Portland and I loved it. From dental assisting, I got to work for a periodontist, which if you don't know, a periodontist is someone who specializes in gum surgery. So I got really into 3D printing surgical guides. It was really cool looking into the design process. And I mean, they were basically working on the same problems that I was. They just... Uh, <laughs> um, they're basically working on the same problems I were. They were just doing it, you know, from a different angle, from a different side. And then, you know, the light bulb turned on and I was like, I can do dental stuff like from anywhere if that's what I want. Like, like you can find a way. And at, you know, in my late thirties, that was getting a little tough on the back, leaning over all the time. Things I, I loved though. I loved that 99% of my coworkers were females because I really loved working with women that just worked really well for me. It was a really nice, fun work environment. Everybody was really friendly. I really liked that. I loved when I got to work for female doctors. I just did. So that was something I had to adjust to when I went into IT because there's, you know, there's, there's very few women. It's all guys. I had all guy coworkers, you know, which was totally okay, but I just bonding is it's different. You know what I mean? Or it, it's different with other people. I wasn't trying to go guys, girls there kind of thing. And so I had to adjust to that. And I also had to adjust to somebody else or lack of someone else making my schedule for me. I had kind of forgotten that that's how it worked. And all of a sudden I was just given objectives with no timeline. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, what do you mean? Like, when do I take lunch? They're so like, whenever you want. And I was like, hold on here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got my first IT job was just opportunity and preparation and just, I got lucky. I was living on LinkedIn and I mean living on LinkedIn. I had already gone to software design school at the very end of my dental career. I quit. And then the next couple months I went to software engineering bootcamp at PDX Code Guild in Portland, Oregon. It was super fun. I learned a lot. I learned probably a great percentage of what I needed to become a junior developer, but that there's something else that you need. You really, really need a passion if you're going to go into development. And I, two things. Number one, I don't think I was a super good developer. And number two, I didn't have the passion necessarily to become a super good developer. And I knew that because as soon as I got done with software engineering school, I tried to get jobs and I got some interviews. Ultimately, it was turned down. Turns out they don't give out six-figure jobs to boot camp graduates. But they do give out entry-level IT roles to boot camp graduates which was me. A recruiter posted in Portland that they needed somebody to start in two days. Junior people, please message me. And I was like, Junior, you said junior people. No one ever says junior people, I need you. But yes, so quit my job in dental and started two days later in IT. Before I left dental, they offered me a $20,000 pay raise and offered 
for me to be the manager of all the dental assistants and train them and kind of like, you know, which is really right in line with everything I wanted, right? It was, it was dental and it was teaching people to overcome things and it was watching people grow. But I was also in charge of hiring and turnover in dental is just pretty brutal. And I've, I was kind of looking forward and I was like, I can spend a lot of time hiring other people for what they want to do, or I can, you know, kind of put myself first and do something for me. And so I, I switched careers because I knew the ceiling was a lot higher in tech and got my first IT job. And I was blessed with a, uh, a teammate named Zach who had his SEC plus, his net plus and his A plus. He was in the Air Force. And uh, the first day, he's also 10 years younger than me. Um, my first day, I was like, hey, I don't have a lot of experience. He's like, I don't really like talking to people. I was like, oh my gosh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. And so naturally, we had a great team there where I did a lot of the talking. And then Zach did a lot of the, not only the fixing, but a lot of the training of me. He was so important to my foundation and actually ended up being my reference at my first job I got after our contract ended up at, it was in a large hospital conglomerate. There were six different hospitals and they were opening more. And that's why they needed junior people right away is because we needed someone to carry monitors, cable management, and put desks together. And you know what? I was so happy to do it. You had never met anyone who was happier to crawl around on the floor, putting things together than me. It was, it was great. I also got a good experience from learning how networks are put together from the foundational level. It was an amazing turn of events that year that went from just to just, I mean, really just kind of working in dental to now I'm not only am I in IT, but like I have, a, I'm an assistant analyst at like a large, uh, one of the top 500 MSPs in the world, which is just crazy to think about. Just crazy to think about. You're not, that people aren't stuck. So yeah. many of my friends so many of my friends say the exact same thing. They're just like, I feel so stuck in my career or stuck in my life. And everyone has different limitations or different obstacles that they're trying to overcome to, you know, better yourself or your education or anything like that. But really it turns out to like, what can you do between five o'clock and nine o'clock at night, every night? Like if you can just a little bit every night, if you can do that, even if it's just, and I, Networking is important. You can't get away from it. Everybody gives the same advice. It's you got to network with it. You got to do it. And you're not stuck. You just have to talk to people that do what you want to do. And kind of sounds kind of you got to copy them, basically. I mean, take the people that, you know, when I see Jax and I see Erica on here, I mean, you know, I'm digging around in their LinkedIn's trying to see what their experience is, trying to copy it as best I can. Shout out to Josh Mason, who really helped direct me to Neil Bridges and the cyber and security community. That was a really big help in finding somebody who matched my enthusiasm for cybersecurity and Neil. He, yeah, love that guy a lot. He did a, a lot of things, including, you know, when somebody who's big time reaches out to you personally, it makes you feel so good. And he, uh, yeah, he let me know that I, I belong, which was, you know, just invaluable at the time. You never know early on yeah. in your career when somebody can, uh, yeah, can do that for you and help you out. And then through him, I met uh, Jerry and then at Jerry Outpost Gray with Jax. And yeah, here we are. And then two cyber chicks. Yeah, two cyber chicks. Neil is a, a very good friend of mine. Definitely one of those people that he's the reason I have 
Outpost Gray in the YouTube channel. So yeah, I love that. I love all the shout outs, know everybody. And it is a small community and we overlap a lot. Outpost Gray and Simply Cyber and Neil's Cyber Insecurity. So it's just awesome. And it's so nice to have you part of this community as well, because I can already tell by your sharing your story is one thing that you mentioned is you really like to empower people and you're very passionate about that. And I love that about this industry because it wasn't always like that. When I started, you know, back in 2008, it was, like you said, very male dominated, which it still is, but there are definitely more women, hence two cyber chicks. And we're still bringing that diversity in. We're still seeing that change. And people like yourself that are coming in that are breaking in. And you mentioned this briefly through your intro and talking about, you know, you're in your mid to late 30s and you did a pivot. And that's a really scary time for a lot of people to be like, all right, I've done this for so long. I'm going to get $20,000 raise and I could be put into a leadership role. But you made the conscious decision to pivot and you are working at one of the largest MSPs, which that's what I really I want to talk about that a little bit more and talk about you spending time when you entered, you raised your hand to be that desktop support engineer to to do anything and everything, move the monitors, lay the cables. I used to do that as well. So I can completely relate to that very blue collar job. But it is when you're doing that, you're meeting with a lot of people in the industry or in the organization because you're helping them set up their computers. You're meeting with the executives. You know who these people are. You're getting FaceTime. And then from that, you transitioned to being now a system analyst. So something we like to do here on the show is we like to discuss different roles and really highlight the different roles in these spaces. So the individuals that are listening can kind of understand, especially individuals that might be trying to break in to like, what is a system analyst? So I have a two-part question for you. The first one is for you to just give us a high-level overview of your what your day-to-day looks like, just super high-level, and then... What motivated you to move into becoming a system analyst from that desktop support engineer? Absolutely. Day-to-day, tickets, 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 tickets everywhere. Not in a bad way. Many tickets are different, but this one is mine. We basically, I get up, roll out of bed at 8.59 for my 9 a.m. start. No, I'm joking. I get up earlier than that. But remote work is pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. Get up, check teams. Basically, it's a series of three meetings and a lot of ticket time between them. And what do I mean by that? Meetings usually take place on teams between however many support techs we have on. We don't necessarily have level one, level two, level threes. It's mostly we have our, basically our support techs, uh, then we have our system analysts, and then we have our senior system analysts. The support techs are the ones who are taking in a lot of the calls, but they're definitely not the only ones. At a smaller MSP like ours, we got purchased by a larger MSP. So how that works is basically we have kind of been a an in-between phase, if you will. I know there's a better name for that, and I'll think of it, where we are kind of having our roles rewritten a little bit. So things are kind of kind of a little bit in changing, if you will. After we get up and have our first meeting talking about, you know, we have over 110 clients. So you can't review every client at you know, all the time. It can also be kind of a hurdle to really get to form relationships with people because you might talk to somebody once and then you might not talk to them again for eight months. You know what I mean? But man, if you document really well, you're going to be able to pull out things from that conversation you had eight months ago and you're just going to crush it. So back to the day to day. As tickets come in, they come in through the phone, they come in through email, they can come in 
through a multitude of ways. Sometimes we have our customer success managers who kind of each of them oversee 30 or 40 clients. Um, they can put requests into us directly as well. And then we just kind of work through those top to bottom as they come in. Some have higher priority and some, you know, have a lower priority. And what do I mean by that is if somebody calls from a medical office and all their servers are down, that's going to get more priority than, you know, Betty Joe's password reset, unfortunately for Betty Joe or Mickey Clark or whatever their name is. Triaging is so like, I cannot rant. Knowing when to triage, when to send something up is like, if you can do that, then you are an all-star. Like that is something that you really need to get or develop a grasp on it as quickly as you can, because there are two feelings on opposite ends. You escalate something that you don't need to. And the more senior techs like, dude, you didn't need to escalate this, which you feel kind of silly, but that's okay. If you feel kind of silly, the other one is you don't escalate something. And then the customer calls back and they're like, why didn't you escalate it? And you're like, I thought I could handle it. And I couldn't, and I didn't, and I'm sorry. That's you try to avoid that as much as possible. So triaging tickets as they come in, I mean, I might handle, you know, I'll handle over a hundred tickets a day, just necessarily getting them where they need to be routed to, to the correct people or combining tickets that come in that need to be, it seems like a lot of admin work, but I don't want to frame it that way because all the time while I'm doing this admin work, I'm talking on the phone to clients, to people creating tickets, closing tickets, and making sure that they are happy with the service is the other thing. We just started where we have another phone call in our workflow, which has been kind of difficult to adjust to, but we've experienced really incredible metrics by our, from our clients with it, which is great. You can't beat that. I mean, the extra phone call can be hard to fit in, but yes, your documentation will save you. Documentation and triage, those are the two the two big ones that I do, I'd say over and over every day. The technical problems that I handle are mostly Microsoft Office based. Really, if you, I mean, if I had gone to school and instead of psychology majored in Active Directory, I would be really well off. I would have everything I would need to have a long industrious career in IT. After all the tickets are done, then really you just have to meet with uh, CSMs and your immediate manager, trying to see what you guys can do from the operations end. It can seem daunting when a lot of tickets come in and the numbers get very high, but just like, I mean, just like with cybersecurity, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's just, it's a marathon. You just got to slow and steady and plug away and magically the tickets go away and everybody's happy and everybody wins. Second question. Oh, why did I want to go from... Higher pay, for one, great reason to become a system analyst. A little more job opportunity at the next level up, of course. Also, I found that I really liked helping out because in an, at our office, the system analyst kind of functions a little bit as a success engineer or, you know, basically what we do is we help find solutions for the clients. As a support tech or a level one, you're just you know, doing the low level stuff, basically Microsoft office problems, reset passwords. My second display turned off. I spilled water on my computer. Is that bad? This blue screen's on here with a frowny face. What do I do? Stuff like that. As a system analyst, I really get to dive into what is the business trying to accomplish and how are they trying to accomplish that? And what I mean by that are how is the office organized or is it, is it multiple sites and how are those organized? And then we start diving into things like phone systems and SAP systems and really get into 
the depths of networking and you figure and you see how deep it really is. It's pretty incredible. The system analyst position has definitely been challenging. I really, really enjoy the problems that I get to work on. Sometimes I miss the password resets and the very, very light conversation that comes with the, the easy conversations. But yeah, it's been very, very nice with this little, little bump up. So Nick, I got to say, I love how you've leveraged a boot camp, taken charge of your career and your future. You've leveraged mentorship, networking to get to where you are today. And something I'm curious of is what's something that's been surprising to you about your career transition into the tech space, whether it be the people or the work you were going to be doing or literally anything? What's been most surprising to you? The welcoming community. I was so scared to put myself out there at all or even speak up in any of the chat rooms. I think I'm on like 12 Discord servers now. Like I try to chat all the time and get myself out there. People are so receptive of your efforts if you're showing that you want to be in the community. It's incredible. It's been one of the best experiences of the career switch. It has definitely been the people that I've gotten to meet and interact with. And also the relationships that I've made professionally, just, you know, really through interacting in a lot of the social media channels, like that wasn't always around when we were like when I was in high school and early college, Y2K had just happened like that had just happened the year before. So like we weren't really thinking about, you know, learning how to write in Python or anything like that back then. That was a billion miles away. But then fast forward 20 years and everybody's doing this stuff, you know, like everybody's using programming now. And it's, it's everywhere. It's all over. And you don't have to be necessarily a genius to get into IT or networking. You're not stuck. It's possible. You can do it for three hours a day, every day. You can do it in awesome. however long it takes. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday, 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 however long it takes yeah. you. But it's, I guess I just want people to know that it's possible and that it's attainable. Just getting your foot in the door is the hardest step. It is the hardest step. But after you do that, well, you really don't get to relax because then the hard work starts like learning all the stuff. But you get to relax just a little bit on that one aspect. Yeah. And you get to start making a paycheck. So that's where the relax comes is you're not, hey. you're not hustling so bad to try because that's I have a lot of members in the community that reach out to me on a regular basis, just trying to figure out ways to break in. And so I know that this has definitely been this will be anybody that's listening to it now future in the future it's going to be a very motivational episode for those individuals because you provided so many great nuggets of knowledge and i can already tell like you do so much in the community you're on multiple discords bravo on that i can't even handle two and i can tell that you're just eager and hungry not only to learn but to help individuals out so before we wrap nick i want to provide you an opportunity to just let the listeners know the best way for them to be able to reach you, if it's a Discord, if it's LinkedIn, if it's an email, anything like that, where they can reach out to you, maybe for mentorship or maybe for a job, who knows? Absolutely. Hey, right. Oh my gosh. When I am in a spot to give out jobs, it is going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm just going to give them out to people that deserve them. But man, I just want to give everybody, yeah, you, bam, bam, bam. it'll be like Oprah with that. All those things together. LinkedIn is the best place to find me, Nick Barker. My website is needs a revamping very badly now that I am on a podcast. So I'll give that out on my LinkedIn uh, here pretty quick. And I just am really thankful to be here. And I'm thankful for this community and all you lovely people out there. We're so thankful for you. Thank you, Nick, for coming on the show. It's been our pleasure having you. 
And I just want to do a quick reminder for all of those two Cyber Chicks fans out there. If you're loving what you're hearing, please make sure that you rate and review us. And then also go ahead and share us out. We're so thankful for all of our support from the community. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Cyber Chicks Podcast with Erica and Jax. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.